0: good evening good morning good afternoon wherever you are in the world welcome back to Sho- social convos i'm diego together with my co-host how are you doing
1: a fresh off vacation but yeah welcome back you went to happened. the south i right? went i went to sun to belam and Salinopolis. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sunny Saninopolis. I am not. Like
0: is it a few hours away from Belem? Like, yeah,
1: you know, yeah. Or? So it's so you, you fly to Belem and then you take a drive for four <laughs> hours, five hours to to the to the beach, to uh, to the coast. Oh, oh that's not uh, too bad. Uh, of the state of the state of Para.
0: Ah, uh, is that where the like white sand dunes are? Where... No,
1: it's, it's really beautiful. There are some dunes. There's also what they call the Cola Lake, which is kind of like the, similar to our Cola Lake or a creek. And, but the beach, is, the beach is really interesting. The beach is interesting because it's a beach that is it's really child-friendly in the sense that it's really, the, the tide is, when it's low water, it's really low. And the beach is really extensive. So the Sunny Lovelace Beach without exaggerating when it's low tide, it might be 200 meters worth of beach, like in, in, in
0: how, how much did you see the water? Yeah.
1: It's like in the width it's, it's, it's at least the difference between low tide and high tide is at least 100 meters, at least. And the interesting part is that there's a road on the beach. Like if you go to Google Maps, there will be a road that's listed as a road, but you're actually driving on the beach. And the idea is you, you drive on the beach at the a different a waterfront restaurant. They put out the tables and the chairs and, and you just drive to one of the spots that is free. You reserve tables, you drive your car next to the tables. You park your car next to the tables on the beach, and ah
0: that's, oh, that's an interesting concept
1: <laughs> yeah it's a really it's a really yeah. really cool concept so and and it so basically it's already fifty meters to a hundred meters from where you're seated to the actual place where you are there, so it's already kind of like for the waiter, yeah, it's yeah a yeah, long yeah. walk like that
0: it's Do they walk or do they have these little sand?
1: Well, you get like, if you order drinks, you kind of get a a full.
0: Or or are they driving like an ATV? No, no, no,
1: no. (laughs) They they come up with a full box and like put all the drinks in a full box with ice and stays cool. So you get like your own personal cooler from the restaurant and the food, which in general in, in Brazil is good, but the food is, and the beach is also really good. Like we had, we ordered some some crab. The second day we were on the beach, and it was like you get it with a a plate, a, gra- a granite plate, and a wooden wooden hammer to easily chop off the the shell. But it's the shell; it's so properly cooled that you can just pull the shell off, and you actually actually get quality meat. So all in all, it was was a very very interesting experience.
0: No, oh, great. You had some uh, fun. At least you've been
1: traveling a lot this year. Yeah, but, uh, so it's been, it's, it's been quite a lot. And, and next year might, might be the same or even more. So I can't complain. The only thing I will complain about is the flight schedule from flights to Suriname. So we're going to yeah. talk about the social media conference in a bit, but where we're booking flights now for our speakers, like all the flights are coming like in the morning, like yeah. between midnight at 5.00 and 5:00. AM. It's It's insane. Like, and I do, I do, I do feel we should give a certain areas a little bit more credit because they are actually the airline who has reasonable travel and unfortunate times compared to all the other airlines. Like AA comes in after midnight, yeah. flight from Gaul that we were on comes in after midnight, Copa, which I fly a lot with a lot, which is the airline I like, but they also fly at like four and three or four or five in the morning. It's an X, ex- ex- insane. And yeah, that takes it slow, especially when you're traveling with two young children, four and seven. Yeah, you, you can not get them to participate a little bit. They have their own trolley. They do their own things. They help you out. But when they're sleeping, they're sleeping. So when you arrive on your flight, it's, yeah. It's yeah, I got extra yeah, luggage. <laughs> got extra luggage, exactly.
0: But yeah, coming back to what we're talking about today, why the social media is important and, In the context of social media, today is actually my Twitter ten year anniversary. I I just got a notification. Wow! Yeah, like ten years, and I like is it been that long already? And yeah, Yeah. I I had my account in I think twenty twelve, and geez, that (laughs) just goes to show how long we've been in this social media paradigm.
1: Yeah, I have my call since 2011, well, so it's, it's been a while, but it's also, there's also some kind of, I think it's National NFT Day, can it be? There were discussions
0: about that among the community. Where? about getting a nat- national NFT day. But when you say national, like national wear, So I think... Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> international. National,
1: well, there are a couple I'm, of people saying international NFT day.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I saw the conversation pop up a bit around the different communities, yeah. but I, I don't think it's anything formal or uh, solidified yet.
1: Okay. Well, for those of you celebrating, happy NFT day. I, I haven't been active at all. Which is a shame. I should actually check if I got airdrop something today. But <laughs> yeah, to be honest. I wasn't at all focusing on that because we were we are busy with the social media for the Turn And of course that's that's the main topic because yesterday I dropped. But brand we shall look at our weekly on Substack. So what is your take on Substack?
0: I've heard about Substack like about a year, almost two years ago. Basically it's, it's the writer platform with your own mailing list, curated list. If if you, if you want to build, if you're a writer and you want to build a subscription list and email list, Substack is like the no frills attached, just focused on the, on the, the content and very onboarding friendly for writers. So you have the dashboard.
1: It's data. better than your personal blog, actually. So that's, yeah. that's the, the confronting thing for me to, whether or not. So you have Substack, which is basically replacing Medium because Medium was supposed to be that platform that Substack now is because, but Substack just has better subscription. I mean, anybody can subscribe to your, to your blog. Yeah.
0: The, the, the focus is very, it's very yeah. focused. Yeah, it's And I think it, it
1: helped the the Patreon, OnlyFans era kind of help figure out how how these kind of platforms should be used. But I think that's that's the main thing that's interesting. But then you also have, of course, LinkedIn published bot posts. So you have LinkedIn newsletters now as well as um, the blogs, but also LinkedIn newsletters is something that's also new. What's Pulse exactly? Pulse, I, Pulse I, I, is a publishing I know,
0: platform. I, I know LinkedIn introduced this a while ago, but I didn't read into it much. Okay, but so was Pulse,
1: a Pulse, was a, Pulse was a publishing platform. And then LinkedIn purchased Pulse. And then in, in, in the initial phase, LinkedIn Pulse was like blogging for LinkedIn, but it, you had to be invited. You had to officially show that you are a writer in order mm-hmm. to get it. And then they kind of went away from that because it wasn't working the way.
0: Of course, yeah, gatekeeping.
1: <laughs> so in the end, everybody now can write a blog post on LinkedIn. But now LinkedIn has also come out with newsletters, so you can create a newsletter connected to your LinkedIn, similar to Twitter. Now having weekly newsletters as well. So as you as you can like, Facebook completely stepped away from notes. Facebook notes used to be a big thing as well. I've so, never <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you see like, like for certain platforms, but now everybody is into the subscription-based model. So, so yeah.
0: But that's basically, if, if we're talking about software and platform, a lot of model, especially in the tech space, it's, it's the SaaS model, software as a service, right? Yeah. I remember, you know, last year we had from SaaS it up, SaaS so yeah. uh, what? We, we talked about this at length about all the platforms offering either you start as a freebie and then you tier the subscriptions it more benefits more features and a lot first
1: thing because i'm just sorry to cut you off but i'm not sure if i ever intend intent for people to pay for my subset like it, it feels weird like yeah. putting all the information and, i mean if you're like really consistent and like it makes sense. But if you post like once a week, most of the content out there is free. So you're you're really competing.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I don't think the the people who really make it that the intention is to make money off of the content at first glance. It is a, either once they start getting an audience, that that switches. Unless you're, you know, very focused, you have a team already, You're you're kind of in a corporation setting and then, hey, uh, this department, you guys spin off something with it, tend oh. to generate the revenue through that. Yes. But I don't think individual creators, uh, oh, here's, most here's of an them interesting thought
1: with that intent. Here's an interesting take, because I shared this post by Mark Schaefer. Mark Schaefer is somebody I look up to a lot. He has written multiple books. One of his favorite books is No, in which he basically explains, and he recently did it in a blog again. And it, The, the idea of not necessarily to become famous, like it's nice to be famous. Right. It's, it's kind of hard to monetize fame and it comes with other things that you, yeah, that can make it very difficult for you as well, from a business perspective when it comes to fame. Uh, Whereas being known is kind of more like understanding, like people know who you are, so you're important to them for certain specific topics. And with known, the idea is also that if you consistently put out content, your personal brand will grow, and because you're known, you will get those gigs. You will get right. the time that You're able to monetize.
0: Yeah, which that's also your good. lead generator.
1: Yeah. So and then there are different approaches. Like he explained, like he didn't go into depth how he does it, but in the comments. When people ask, he explains it a little bit, and then of course the other model is the the Gary Vaynerchuk model, where you kind of like have a whole team behind it creating the content. Basically, you're you're like a brand, like a company brand would do it, that you have actually have a team that, that nurtures that brand online. But the 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 biggest thing that for me has always been a problem is the, is the consistency. Is finding the balance between being able to do that and doing your regular work. So I'm 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 really excited because the reason I mentioned Mark Shaver is because he's coming to Suriname. It, it's official now. I can officially say it. Okay. I mean, on the website, uh, the tickets have been booked. The hotel reservations have been made, so I can officially okay. It.
0: awesome. know. It's,
1: it's, it's coming to Suriname, and yeah, it's one of the biggest names in the, in the marketing industry for the past thirty years. And you guys mm. gave out a few of his book last year, right? Yeah. We we gave out a couple of his books in 2020. We'll be giving away a couple of his books again. He has a, he has a new book called Cumulative Advantage, which is more from a personal development perspective than more na- marketing per se. But also he has another new book coming out, I think in the beginning of next year. And the main book still for for the past couple of years has been Marketing Rebellion, where he kind of explains like how we're, transitioning from different marketing revolutions to another, from one marketing revolution to another, and then what brands are struggling with or dealing with. So in general, just, I mean, like, I'm excited, like that we can get a speaker who is like one of the, the top leaders when it comes to marketing in general, not just social media, but marketing yeah, in general. So yeah.
0: better be there at the social media conference. You got Mark Schaefer and to bring that. In the context, uh, you wrote a a blog post a few years ago when social media conference started about, you know, seven reasons why people should attend. And you, in your recent Substack uh, post, you kind of uh, revisited that, the idea. So let's talk about uh, some of the observations you made. Did anything change? Why should people still attend the social media conference in 2022?
1: So I get prepared because I'm, I'm wearing a social media marketing world t-shirt now. Big shout out to them as well. Big Mike Stausner and, and his team, Phil Marshall, uh, the uh, conference manager, conference director of, of that conference. And the reason I bring them up is because they're celebrating their 10th social media marketing world next year. And for the past year, 2018, 2019, 2021, we have been part of the volunteers group for that conference, and what we are seeing like the ineffable team. So basically, the people that host the conference, the social media conference, you know, go to volunteer in in San Diego. It's it's at least tenfold our conference, like in size, in admission fee, in volunteers, in speakers, in sessions. Everything is like all. Most of it's tenfold the size of what you do here. And the first social media marketing world in Suriname was also modeled around the 2014 edition of social media marketing world. And of course, things change. You realize certain things are different in Suriname and the Caribbean than they are in the US. So you change those things out of the, the programming and what we have seen now is I mentioned in 2016, seven reasons why I thought we needed the conference. And interestingly enough, they're all still relevant. So I think that's, that's, that's the main purpose of, of the blog post that I put out this. Which
0: one would you say they, they're still relevant? Some of them have increased in relevancy. Which one would you say has changed the most in relevancy,
1: would you say? So interestingly enough, I think the role of social media, the role of ICT, and then also how ICT is defined. Yeah, I mentioned this because like six years ago, we were talking about mobile app development and social media apps and how mobile apps should work with social media, and it's gone a completely different direction. I feel that I originally thought it would go. To be honest, because now if we look like okay from the tech space, what's most connected to social media? I would say a blockchain, the metaverse, which is something that's completely new. Like in 2016, we didn't talk about the metaverse. We barely talk, uh, talked about crypto. We barely talked about blockchain so technology.
0: In in that context, in that broad context, let's say, like. How would you describe or define ICT in 2022? What, what should we
1: consider? So you have different directions. Yeah, and it's a big sign because you have Internet of Things, which is completely different direction. There's more high level appliances, household appliances, company appliances, finding ways to make the Internet more integrated with life in general, like any form of life. So that's already one sign. Then you have the, the, the blockchain side, which is completely different as well. I think it's the ICT space because you, you still have security, which is a completely different topic. Decentralized finance would fall mostly under blockchain or is connected mostly under blockchain, but it's technically something completely separate as well. So, and then mobile development <laughs> is also completely different from blockchain because blockchain is still, like a lot of blockchain is not mobile centric at all. And then you have e-commerce, e-commerce is a, no, a whole different ball game. the game as well. That's completely mobile centric. Uh, so it's really hard to say like, okay, it's actually gotten harder to define what IC, ICT entails. Yeah, I, I haven't even thought about the difference between software and hardware and how to deal with it.
0: I would describe it. If you interact with it through a screen. Technologically, I would consider it under the world of ICT.
1: Okay. Even if it's not connected to the internet or should that be a criteria as well?
0: Yeah. I I would include the internet in this one because you interact with the screen within a broader network.
1: So it's really, really broad, which makes it even harder to find. What the role is for social media and the ICP landscape? So we, we've we covered
0: in the past year, different themes. e-commerce was one of them that, you know, was very prevalent, the transition from, you know, the traditional, traditional offline media to online media. And especially last year, moving into this year, you mentioned it a lot, blockchain, man, of stuff has become more uh, mainstream uh, and yes, uh, if you remove the financial component from it. There is a lot of technological developments happening there. Uh, especially we are kind of actually already in a metaverse It's just, I would describe it like this, that the metaverse just getting more, more fi- fidelity. It's getting more. Uh, let's visceral.
1: Say, uh, create, uh, example. I saw a post today that Polygon and Starbucks are going to work together. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 Starbucks, I, I know that I news. Thorbox is essentially saying, uh, we're gonna put our loyalty system,
0: it's basically a loyalty system that they're kind of your. So, it when I read into it and I I checked out a few podcasts, and they broke it down very interestingly. So, yes, you have the traditional loyalty programs with any retailer or shop, you know, you buy, you get a voucher, if you buy X amount, you can. Claim a free or you get a certain discount. And they're putting this on the Polygon blockchain now, attempting to put it on there. And it's quite interesting because they sell these so called Starbucks credits. And you kind of put your money in Starbucks like a bank. Whereas,
1: listen, if you want to invest in Starbucks, (laughs) buy actual state, like go to the stock market and buy stuff. Yeah. Like, so like well, it, it was very convoluted. Yeah. How so they broke it down. People out. have to understand, like, a loyalty system, traditionally speaking, is never been about making money. It's about yeah. showing your loyalty to a company. So, if you go out there and buy Starbucks NFT like crazy, but he, open that, that that then as you'll lose money, that's your own fault. But, let, but let know, the
0: thing. here's the yeah. in- interesting thing you, we're yeah. talking about the role of social media and all this. Yeah. And the, the narrative around NFTs, especially in the past two years, has been very financially driven. And if you a company like Starbucks comes with this now, you're gonna draw a, a different crowd. So how would you see the role of social media fulfilling, telling that narrative, shifting away from that financially well, driven?
1: Eventually all markets mature, right? Yeah. Like, like the whole thing with "The Wolf of Wall Streets" and the penny stocks, it was also there because people were not familiar yeah. with buying stocks and understanding stocks, and listened to every single story that could make the money. So it's, it's like and, and this is also with, with traditional media. I've mentioned this a couple of times, like people now growing up wanting to be a YouTuber it's not really that different from people growing up in the 90s wanting to become an actor. Like a Leonardo. A celebrity. A celebrity. I mean. You're known. It's, it's, no, it's fame, Like it's, it's very, very similar. You, and, and maybe the only difference is traditionally speaking, well, traditionally, 20, 30 years ago, you wanted to be famous because of the fame and the perks it would get and the lifestyle it would get. Whereas now people want the fame because they want to be able to monetize the fame. So it's, it's, it's like, I'm not, I'm really generalizing here, but that's maybe the, the major difference between this generation, this generation of teenagers and, and back in, in the 90s when I was a teenager. So, it, but, but the same goes from like all media platforms, like people were saying like, yeah, radio is going to die. People are not going to stand next to a cubicle and listen all day. And it was like, yeah, television is just a fad. It's it's not gonna work. People won't be wasting their time hours in front of a box. And then, yeah, the internet probably is gonna be a fad in the end. you know. So it gradually shifts, and that's when social media came in the same with blockchain. Like, like for a lot of people now, blockchain is still a fad, but then it's gonna become mainstream, and then it's gonna and there are a couple of people who are. Very big in the Web three space.
0: Right. I, I want to interject before you yeah, go on go at this point, real quick. You're talking about mainstream. So, did you know what happened last week?
1: Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: It's basically one of the, if not the biggest event so far, singular event so far in blockchain crypto history. Happened last week.
1: Oh, you're not you're not talking about High Fest, I guess. No, just kidding.
0: The merge, the Ethereum merge happened. Oh, the
1: Ethereum merge. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: And yeah, if, if we're talking about the, the, uh, how no, we're it, talking about an event, oh, an event yeah, it, would... was an ev- event, like, it was an actual event, event. Like there was an actual event, people went to the merge. It happened. People were following it. There were live streams following it and it, no, okay. I mean like a physical
1: yeah. event, sorry.
0: Yeah. 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 But the, the relevance of this event was either going to make or break how the landscape functions and it happened as if nothing happened. So if we're talking about mainstream, it's only the people who and are far. in in the space know about it. It's way, 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 way far from mainstream, I would say.
1: NFT, NFT. Because it just happens. On, on open sea, C- Simply. Dropped with, with like 70 or more than 70% over for the past Yeah yeah
0: three. that 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 yeah. as the NFT is aside, but did this event just through if a big technological change happens in the background without anything going wrong, people don't even know it. But if it went wrong somewhere, it would have been all over social media.
1: Well well here yeah, also, but I don't think it's necessarily that went well. We're really pretty much in any- in the dip phase when it comes to, to cryptocurrency. So then the interest just drops. And we, we haven't reached the, reached the tipping point where it, it's become a in mainstream. It's, it's just not there yet. And that's why we still have to understand we're really, really in the early, early, early phases of, of, of where this is going. And that's the, the point that I was going to make. Like a lot of people in the Web3 industry were like, yeah, but this whole gone." Starbucks thing is, it's boring. I mean, you could do it the traditional way. Have you yeah. thought about the difference of doing this public? <laughs> is it actually a good thing that they're they're doing this public? You know, like people will now know who the customers are who are most loyal to. You know, those kind of things are like uh, are not talked about enough. But on the other side, it's a really big thing because this is actually a step toward adoption. Adoption and and Yeah, making it mainstream. So I think people underestimate it. And if I look at it from like a business perspective, that's really where I would go for Like NFT Mm -hmm. starting off making it as a loyalty system. If if I would advise a client of mine to start with NFTs, it would be basically a loyalty system. It would be exactly this. So I can't understand people's disappointment because they are like, yeah, but we want to have the whole... But that's, I think, also the discussion between the NFT maxis and the the crypto maxis. One saying like, should this be decentralized? And the other saying right there, "Eh, I don't really care about that.
0: Well, I just really quickly looked up. So they they also released in NFT, like a consensus uh, for the merge, uh, which people can claim. And 320,000 of these NFTs were claimed. So 320,000. What Which you
1: essentially say? is still it's not nothing that much. <laughs> yeah, it's but nothing. Like you said, this is the biggest event. Like, this is the biggest event in all of, you yeah, know? like it, in, in the whole world. It's a one off thing. It's just got to be done once in, in so many years. So I, t- I find it interesting. But let's let's head on to the, to the other finds that, that right. and mm-hmm. were discussed in the, in the blog post. So, so quickly, we discussed the role of our social media in the world of ICT. The first topic that, the first point that I mentioned was the growing impact of social media in the, in the media landscape. And I think this, this has aged pretty well, if you ask me. So if you're talking
0: about media landscape, should I think like productions, content creation? I,
1: I think six years ago, I looked at it from the media landscape from traditional media towards social media, like television or radio, newspaper, printed media from printed media, both from magazines to billboards. Wait, which of
0: these like video, audio or written form would you say has had the biggest impact or influence on the, the speech?
1: It's not, it's not fair to say because you have to understand that the written media has had an edge since the 90s. Like when the internet came about, one of the first things that happened were blogs. And there were all of a sudden these people that were blogging and giving out information that was different from information that traditional news, news outlets put out. So this is also a very big discussion within the community of, of writers, especially news journalists, because many journalists feel that a lot of online journalists aren't real journalists because they don't do the same research and the same background check. They don't have to.
0: counter that point are many offline journalists actually. Journal-
1: yeah. So that's, that's where it really becomes terrible because that whole check, the, the necessity for that, it kind of, because people want to put out news so quickly that you basically, even in the all, offline scene, you now have kind of like the networks that really provide quality. News versus like the first in, first out kind of news news sources. So even the trolling. I think the trolling is the most the most difficult one to deal with from a from a societal perspective. Like right. people now put out tweets and they kind of quote something that's never been said, and then they very subtly hit it, like in the source. So if you're sharp and you read the source and you source and you're like, yeah, okay, this is a joke. But if you don't properly read the source and, you're, and you find it plausible, you might actually just share a troll, a troll tweet and you actually have sent out fake news and you don't even know that you're putting out fake news. And people are confirming what you put out fake news. I just say, no, I, I don't do those kind of things. I'm very respectful and I have a very respectful opinion. I would never put out fake news. But meanwhile, you just retweeted a troll tweet. You know, so these kind of things are really hard to dissect it, yes. All
0: right. Uh, the next one is diversification oh, but, of social. Yeah.
1: But before we get to the diversification, what I mentioned in, in this week's article is like if you just look at like the sponsors like YouTube, TV, Oculus, Facebook, TikTok, the, the events that they sponsor and, and the things that they sponsor and put sponsorship. One year, two, like in traditional media, those used to be things that the big Fortune 500 yeah, big, big networks used use to sponsor. To be fair, yeah,
0: these companies are the big five Fortune 500 companies.
1: Yeah, now. but even like like the staple Center is now what is it called now? Is it the FTX Arena? Arena? I'm not sure. Uh,
0: that's Miami. That's
1: Miami. Uh, FTX uh, Arena of Miami. Yeah, what's Miami? The Staples Center called now. <sighs>
0: I'm not sure about the Staples Center, but yeah, FTX bought the stadium. In yeah, Miami.
1: FTX bought the arena. Oh, crypto.com. Even even. So the Staples Center, which was used to be known as the Staples Center, like like one of the main sport venues of Los Angeles, is now called the Crypto Crypto I mean, like that kind of gives you an idea, like how the landscape is completely shifted. Like crypto brands now being the official shirt sponsor of big mm-hmm. oh, yeah. European football clubs, YouTube having an official partnership with the NBA and the WFDA, those kind of things. Just to put it in perspective, like how the landscape has shifted.
0: Yes, YouTube social media platform, but I won't place the crypto platforms as, because we were drawing a no, comparison. That's, that's, crypto- no, that's
1: why I didn't mention crypto and FTX in, in the article. Yeah. Right? As we were talking about uh, 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 in, in the broader the context,
0: network. yeah. In the broader context, the, the types of companies that sponsor mm-hmm. these types of events and arenas, e- arenas, at, venues, like, all those kinds of things. It's, it's completely been overhauled. Completely. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, what Was that the last one before we was, went to the next yeah. All right. Diversification of social media beyond Facebook. At the start of this episode, I mentioned 10 year anniversary. How long have you been on Facebook? I think for Facebook it's I think twelve I think I'm in thirteen or fourteen years now on I've been on Facebook for sixteen years.
1: I was in Miami in 2006, visiting a friend, a high school friend. And we were out in Miami. And I was dude, where are the, where are you gonna put the pictures? Ah. It was uh, like, yes. Just
0: like that Facebook. was Facebook. You're not on That's Facebook,
1: okay. <laughs> and I was like, What? And he's like, Dude, how are you not on Facebook? But at that time, like the majority of people on Facebook were, yeah, Americans,
0: students, Americans, Americans students, post graduates.
1: So we were still on either Hives if you had relatives in the Netherlands, you would be on Hives if you studied in the Netherlands, you were on Hives or High Hive Fives because most of Latin America was on Hives. Hives. So those were the, the, main, the main ones. Party Peeps was, I think, still there, but not really that big. Friendster and Napster in Suriname, not really, had a very big piece. ICQ was huge as a chatting platform, but no you, Yahoo, like social media, whatever. grew. Uh, Orkut was never big in Suriname. Neither was... was yeah, that, those were the, in the beginning, I think those were the main platforms. And 2006, Facebook was a very different space. Yeah, you could send like drinks most. to people, you could poke people. You had an uh, old say.
0: the the poke chains.
1: <laughs> but there was no, there was no timeline. Like, future timeline was something of 2011, I think. Like the timeline became, I think, 2010, 2011, and there was also no like button. I think in 2008. Or 2009, the like button was introduced.
0: Yeah, I was about to say when I joined, the like button was already there.
1: Yeah, but in, in 2006 it wasn't. Yeah,
0: so it's probably 2008 or 2009.
1: So just imagine the, Facebook yeah. with all the like button. Like it's, you wouldn't be able to imagine that.
0: <laughs> all right, but coming back to you know, Facebook is, uh, I'd say, the the staple now, the the benchmark. Kind of the the biggest one that yeah, was tried to everybody that yeah.
1: that has <laughs> left. Everybody that's confused. Yeah,
0: let us last this mark in the past two two yeah. decades, and
1: oh, they haven't been able to completely destroy, for instance, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Like it should be noted that they try to destroy competitively, yeah. completely destroy.
0: It's either they market, you know uh, acquire have, them or just <laughs> uh, copy the yeah,
1: It's Acquire or destroyed. That's basically the Facebook model. It's acquire or destroy, and and actually Twitter, Twitter has enough. I think what makes Twitter great is, is the the short, the sh- the quickness of Twitter, the short messages, which you just cannot. It's really hard to replicate that. Just
0: yeah. Just. Aside from that, it's also the the brand or the trust yeah I, I say trust to the grain of star that Twitter has built over the years. like people expect you know fast news where when there's important events happening, it usually circulates through Twitter first Tony.
1: Yeah, Twitter's yeah. so so here's the funny thing, because right now everybody's copying everybody. like YouTube is right. now in YouTube Shorts. YouTube Shorts is just trying to completely destroy TikTok that's That's the main goal. like how Instagram kind of destroyed fine. And the time that fine used to be a product of Twitter was the short video, like the, the popular short video app and uh, it was Twitter based, but then was completely wrecked by Instagram, by Instagram video. And then, so basically YouTube Shorts is kind of trying to do that with, with TikTok as well, which is YouTube Shorts is way more successful than any kind of short video format that Facebook has ever tried to produce. So, so that that's the thing. Facebook has tried to produce all these things that other platforms have. Some successfully, some not so successfully. The most recent example is Clubhouse. Like Clubhouse, Facebook tried, yeah. Facebook tried destroying Clubhouse, but actually, it was Twitter <laughs> who destroyed Clubhouse. The Twitter Spaces. So it, you know, it's so, the, <laughs>
0: the Facebook uh, Spaces thing never really picked up. It never really, it, never it, took it off. It stayed in data
1: <laughs> and it died in data. Yeah. yeah, and I experienced this firsthand. So a couple of years ago, we were building a new app. We we're doing it together with, Raul, with with Adapt. And we were building an event app. So for SiriFesta, there was already an event app. So we basically approached Adapt when they won with Koeri. Koeri was an app, which was basically an app where you could list the events that you were going to go to and then put them in some sort of agenda. And we actually used that app to for, as the base for the City Festa app for all the activities in December. So you just start going on your phone and like, oh, there's a party there, we can do something there, and so on. And we wanted to make it more interactive. So we were like, what if we build the app in such a way that if you check in at the event, you can upload photos on the event, and people that also have the app can see the photos of you at the event. And like, as we were discussing and brainstorming on how to build it, Facebook rolled out stories for events. <laughs> so that's, that's just this the media landscape in a nutshell. Like, you have to be really strong and have a really strong user base to compete and like the, the people that found it the most are the people that made Meerkat like if you remember like Periscope was from Twitter and then Meerkat was its own entity and those were the two main mobile live streaming apps the first two big ones and then Periscope. YouTube was like Periscope and Meerkat those yeah, were the, two, like, know, but then,
0: the real global
1: but the real big global like talking Tens of millions of users, they were the first one in the mobile live streaming space. And then, <laughs> and then unfortunately, YouTube was also saying like, hey, wait a minute, we have live streams for so long, but people were saying, yeah, but you don't have it for mobile and it's really hard to get the the program to get it. But then Facebook came with live and then basically it was tough.
0: Yeah. All right. So coming there, back to the diversification basically... It's very much centered around Facebook, YouTube, and yeah. this is a great opportunity to you know assess the landscape to where to move. Where does Facebook not oh. have its reach, <laughs> and where? So can you when
1: choose? when Meerkat died down, when Meerkat died down, the, the company that made Meerkat made House Party, which became really popular because House Party was the place that you could go live without people knowing because you had the life the Facebook Live and all those lives for public lives, that people can watch what you're doing live. So they made House Party, which was different. It was a private life where you could go with friends and watch things together. It's like a real House Party. And that Facebook came with Facebook rules. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, it, it's really interesting how they kind of, destroyed actually.
0: All right. I'm looking right. at the time and a few more of the points we need to go. That's just a rapid fire. Need, I think, four more points to go.
1: So shifting advertising budgets from offline to online. What's your take? What's your take on that? So traditional
0: advertising, people spend thousands, tens of thousands of units of currency to, yeah, basically make an ad if it's through TV. It, it was very expensive and production heavy. And if you look at the transition uh, using social media, it that has drastically cut costs and reach uh, the cost to reach the ratio a lot. Uh, but I see a shift in that again as well. So we, we, we had the shift from you know expensive traditional media to almost no cost uh, wide reach media, but now that's shifting again because companies who have shifted completely online are throwing all their budget that was traditional media into productions for online, and it's getting more competitive now to distribute online. So that's, that's kind of the dynamic I've been observing, but I I do have a but on this, I do believe that personal brand and coming back to your reference of being known has more leverage than throwing just money in production. Unless you have a very targeted, algorithm-driven strategy, the leverage, leveraging your brand and being known can still pay off on a, on a budget.
1: Yeah, okay. So basically, hard work still pays off. But <laughs> here's, and, and you're like, the, the, I think the biggest difference is that traditionally speaking, you would go on a network. And from a social media perspective, you are the network. So I think that's the, it's, it's difficult for, for a brand to understand like, Hey, I basically my YouTube channel is like, I have my own television.
0: I think, I'm not sure who's who made this reference, but there is somewhere. Basically every company is also a media company in this age. If you're into cars, heavy equipment, you are also a media company. If you participate in social media, any company that operates on social media, is automatically a media company.
1: So I think the biggest change for me is, I wouldn't say like the production is like, it's, it's well like this. And now it's going like this again, in the sense that social media productions are now sometimes just as expensive as traditional media. Sometimes production. even more. <laughs> <laughs> even more. Like the, the best example that you can give is like Mr. Jason, Jason. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Beast or Jason Derulo and Will Smith spending like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> worth of camera equipment and resources to make TikTok videos. You know, like that's that's kind of like Mr. Beast is probably the best example to put billions of dollars in just productions for YouTube. But but from a media placement perspective, from a media placement perspective, I think social media is is more more interesting, more intriguing.
0: Yeah. Of course we're moving in a one-way street but technologically wise. So you gotta adapt. But, but
1: then to a point as well that you don't reach certain audiences on certain platforms. As well. So
0: this so comes back, back to the I'm point thinking, of diversification. Sorry, yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah,
1: I think story. cut off. Yeah. Yes. I I think I'm quickly gonna go on to the next part. Is that like you have like the traditionally schooled Mark that have to adapt to the online space and the social media space. But then you also have like 20 year olds who have never learned basic marketing principles that just want to put out fun content without actually thinking of what are brand values? How does branding work? How does PR work? How does marketing work? What are the the four basic P's? What are the seven P's? Why are the four basic P's still important in social media terms? Because if you don't, if you're not familiar with- If you're not familiar with
0: those seven P's, go back to the episode of Rowan Smith uh, back-
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, so basically, basically, and then the whole thing about, yeah, but education is no longer important. Like it really depends on the context. It really, really depends on the context. Like, you could be amazing in in getting followers.
0: I think you're getting Uh, cut off again. Yeah. Uh, You You are saying it's
1: amazing in in getting followers and having a million followers. But if you don't know how to monetize your following or how to create a community, basically you're you're back to square one as well.
0: In that case, you partner up or hire someone who can actually pull it off. Yeah, but you
1: have to understand first. Yeah. You have to be self-aware enough to understand like, hey, there's a certain skill set that I'm missing. And like, you could either have people that understand it. who understand like, hey, you understand business and marketing. Hey, you understand how to gain attraction and following. Let's merge. Let's work together. Or you have those that totally don't understand the field of social media. But don't accept it. And those that completely don't understand the world of marketing, but don't accept it. And yeah, you have to be aware where you are and how much of it you understand in order to be able to identify as well partners that will help you go forward.
0: Yeah, totally agree there that self realization, self awareness is important to concede that part. <laughs> All right. Uh, then we have. Moving on to understand the battle between social media consumption and production. And this we, we, has talked, been
1: my favorite. We,
0: we talked about this, I think last week or two weeks ago on, uh, not last week, but a few weeks ago on the TikTok scenario, why it is relevant to go onto TikTok. And this is the consumption versus production dynamic, right? And because not many people produce, but there's a lot of consumers there. So basic supply and demand, production and consumption, that dynamic plays into it. So leverage the platform with less producers
1: to be seen more. I have a question for you. If you play Gods on Chain and you stream it on Twitch, are you producing or consuming? You're a producer. If you don't stream it, are you a consumer or a producer?
0: You're a consumer of the co- the thing you're playing. But if you stream it, you're a producer of the content you're creating. So you're a, so it's just two different things. One, you're a consumer of the game, the product. That's one. But by streaming it, you create another product, which is entertainment or information for a different type of audience watching you play or interact with that product. So that then you become a producer for that platform on another platform, like Twitch. <laughs> While we wait for Shanluk to reconnect. Hey, Shamil, welcome to the chat. And he's saying we adapt by creatively learning something new. True. The, this landscape, I would say is you gotta continuously learn at the depth because the space is ever changing. You cannot adhere to the same algorithm, the, the same paradigms that you thought, you know, what worked last year, because the algorithms on the platforms are also changing, right? Look at YouTube, for example. It is very algorithm based. All those thumbnails you see, like with the pe- people's reactions, their faces, a surprise, the scared looks. It's been design that way, because that's what the data shown where people click on. And that's why you see all these thumbnails now, like creating YouTube thumbnails has become an art and top creators spend hours, even sometimes even more times on creating the right thumbnail and creating the right title than actually producing the content itself. So that, that's quite interesting.
1: Sorry about that.
0: Oh, you're on a mobile house hotspot, I assume.
1: No, yeah. I'm not, I actually <laughs> shifted because the mobile house hotspot wasn't working. Yeah,
0: I, I was just commenting on like the, you have to adapt continuously and creatively and I was mentioning the YouTube example on thumbnails. Some creators, top creators actually spent more time on thumbnails, hours on thumbnails and titles yeah. because you got to adapt to the algorithm than actually cr- producing the content. So. It's a very interesting dynamic that's going on the platform. So you need to really, really continuously learn and adapt. I
1: I don't know if you follow Pat Flynn, but Pat Flynn put out some quality content this week on explaining why he removed three minutes of his video from a video of five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Just really interesting.
0: What was the thing he removed, and what? Is so the...
1: I, I, I would no. So I'm not gonna give away the whole game because, of course, it's prime content. So if you want to know more about it, you should follow Fat Flynn. But, but mainly, what well, the idea was that he found out that a certain portion of his YouTube video, which has already seen millions of views, was no longer relevant. So we cut it out. So okay. this is this is like real optimization of your content. Yeah. And saying like, okay, this part of my YouTube video is no longer relevant, so I'm gonna cut it out to give a better viewing experience. You know how extreme mm-hmm. that is, how how far optimized you're going when when you when, when you're doing these kind of things. It's like the 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 thumbnail stuff that you mentioned. It's like I have I, I basically stop at the name of the video. Like that's where I have most of my discussions at the moment. Yeah. Like, like, hey, listen. Work on the name of the video because the name of the video is going to help you get more. Fuel. I, I, I
0: know like Graham Stephan, for example, he talked about it yeah. in With podcast. They will spend, they, they create like three titles, th- three thumbnails uh, at least, and they have it ready. And then they will analyze the first 10 minutes after publish what mm-hmm. happens. And if they see it, it that doesn't get the usual engagement, they will swap out the thumbnail or title appropriately and see a shift in the, the engagement to, uh, you know, work with the algorithm. So it's, it's, it's an art form on its own.
1: (laughs) But like, and and this is where I want to go back to the example of comparing YouTubers to actors and influencers to celebrities, like there were a lot of people in the nineties who wanted to become actors, but never became actors. Some of them became directors. Some of them became cinematographers. Some of them became editors, special effects specialists. Some of them became wardrobe specialists. Some of them became acting coaches. So like in the spectrum of movies, there's so many roles and jobs. And basically it's the same for, for social media and content production. Like the person in front of the camera is just one person. We're like 20 people behind the camera who all have full-time jobs, who get paid quite well to do the work that they, they do. So I think if we put that in perspective, that, that gives us a much broader sense of like how much work is actually being, how many jobs are actually going to be created in, in this field, in the creative industry. And, and once you understand that, then it really becomes interesting into what the next steps will be, what the new kind of creative jobs will be. And I think we're not that much aware of it yet from both sides. One from the company side says, hey, we have to hire more creative people to create content for our company because the person that is the marketing manager is not the person that needs to do that. The person that's the marketing manager needs to oversee the marketing.
0: And actually pay them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you actually have to pay for creators So that's the first, the first step. And then the second step that people that are aspiring creators have to understand, like some aspiring creators are actually better off doing something in the industry different from them being in front of the camera. But it's always the the, the idea that only the YouTuber gets, gets paid. Like there are people working for Mr. Beast who get paid good salaries and never get in front of the camera. I think, I think that that's for me, the main main takeaway.
0: Yeah. One, one last example before we go on, I know like, for example, there's some Twitch streamers, they stream like eight, 10 hours a day. And then they have, they pay someone, they have an employee who takes clips from them stream. And puts it on YouTube and their responsibility is managing the YouTube channel and they get a cut of that monetization. So there are different models you can approach, but you need to, you know, make it business-worthy. Uh, what else did we not touch on yet? As we wrap up?
1: Oh, the lab for Why you have to be at the conference is I think the, the networking opportunities, of course. I think that's the, that's the main, the main one. Like there are a lot of serendipitous moments at at the event. And I think that makes the affair so great is that there are so many opportunities to connect with people, but there are campaigns, there are campaigns, there are projects that have been a result of people that met up during the conference and got to know each other, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's a company, whether it's a participant, a student, a speaker. There are a lot of opportunities that come from going to these conferences. That's also one of the reasons that I continue to go to San Diego every year. And I, I to be honest, I far from make the most out of those opportunities. Yeah. I, same I'm here. really terrible those kind of situations. To, 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 to quote,
0: um, uh, a, uh, a bit like when you yeah. go to these events, like hard work and intent play a huge, huge role in serendipity and you know, yeah, go you know, do your work, but have a clear intentions of what you want to achieve during the conference and actually make use of it when that moment actually happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but I think, of the, I, I mean, I really have to send out the message to Bo for instance, because, uh, Bo really like, oh, recently somebody reached out to me like, Hey, I was in a space or something with Bo, and Bo said, Shaluk is also doing crypto, so I have to check him out. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So, so I, I really have to follow up better. I think that's one of the things that... Yeah, you, you and me both. Probably, but it's still one of the hardest things.
0: Definitely being in person at a conference is something you should experience. I don't think we have, aside from that... There's one other topic I wanted to bring up, but we don't have the time. But we'll, we'll shelf it on for a, another episode. That was around social media as well, but more on the censorship part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you really want to want to go I, in that direction? I guess
0: I I, I do. I do, but not for this episode. So let's wrap this one up for the social media conference. Anything people should still know. If you haven't read the article, check out Sean Luke's substech, sr. So I put uh, it here, uh,
1: sr.substack.com. That's basically my new blog page. I will return to my website, but for different purposes. So if you want to get a weekly update, just subscribe to my Substack, and you will get a weekly update. And um, yeah. Go to social media.sr. Let's, let's create another banner for that one.
0: And while you create that uh, banner, uh, there's a question yeah. here. Will Sean look yeah. announce this book at the conference? Do you have an update for Chamil?
1: Oh, tough, tough one. No, I, I will announce the book, but it won't be available for free on the yet. I will most likely pitch something else is in the sense that if people are interested in the book, that they can get like a premium involvement, that they can get updates before others get one. But as of now, currently, I postponed my book launch to next year. And there's a good reason for that, uh, Samuel. My mother has put out a book and I want to spend a little bit more attention to my mother's book. And there can only be one <laughs> Christmas <laughs> present. Yeah. So she beat me to the punch and we'll be focusing on The Alakondre Alloc- the the Dragon Girl. That will be the book that I will be focusing on promoting for, for the next couple of months.
0: Awesome. You've heard it here first. With that being said, thank you for tuning in. Episodes are being batched up to be released on the weekends and yeah, trying to, I'm going to experiment with a different publishing schedule just to see what happens. But the regular weekly releases will be released. But if you missed one of the previous episodes, you can always fall back on either my YouTube in the archive, subscribe there, and you won't miss the weekly live raw sessions, but the post-produced will end up on the website eventually.
1: That being said, this was Social Conference, Diego. Thank you so much. And as always, see you back next week, same place, same time. Bye bye. Cheers.